Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast, the 300th episode. I am Chris Francis, and I am here with my Korean brother, baby. That's right. <laughs> my Korean brother, Eli Kim, Nate Smith, should be joining us shortly. And uh, we celebrate this uh, 300th episode with a Glorious victory for the good guys. The Cavs take on the Jazz of Utah and win 124-116 without Evan Mobley, without Darius Garland, without Donovan Mitchell. So uh, 60% of the starting lineup gone. uh, All-NBA, all-star, rookie of the year types, defensive of the year, play of the year. Candidate types all out, but it doesn't matter because the tandem of uh, Karis LeVert and Sam I Am Merrill scoring 50 points off the bench. Um, just uh, what's your instant reaction, man? Like for, for the game tonight, did you were you able to catch it? Would you would you see? Yes, I couldn't watch the whole game. I'm I'm on a business trip here down in Atlanta, but. Uh, we'll say we'll catch some highlights in that tail end of the game. Man, that bench probably had the best game of the year, uh, which is surprising because you got three starters out and you're already starting, you know, three guys who should be on the bench. So just good to see um, guys like Niang and Tristan Thompson play well. But obviously the headline tonight is Sam Merrill and I'm really happy. It's like the Cavs found shooting that they desperately needed last year. But, oh, wait, (laughs) he was there last year, too. Um, But, uh, you know, I think it's great to just see, uh, you know, it's just a good story to see a guy like that who works his tail off. He's 27 years old, just as old as Max Struess, and he gets an opportunity, and he's just thriving in it. So a great win for the Cavs. And, Really surprising that the way they, the way they um, counter lose not having Donovan, Darius, and Evan is just shooting fifty-one three-pointers, which is ironically what they should be doing when all three of those guys are playing. I think. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's it's. Um, did you catch JB's comments after the game or no? No, no, I didn't. Okay, I mean, he. It's funny because basically he said that was an adjustment made because of all the guys that were missing so and so it's ironic he would say that because of the point you just made they should be doing that even more so when you have 
two of the best three-point shooters in the entire NBA at your disposal. They should continue to launch 53s, but some for some reason we decide to never shoot threes. We'd rather have our 6-1 guards uh, shoot in the paint instead of at the three-point land. So, yeah, this is weird, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, how about Tristan Thompson? Big game from Tristan Thompson. I love, and also I love the interview after him. I mean, uh, uh, speak on uh, you know what you saw from Thompson. What you like? I mean, is is this surprising to you? Did, did you think he would be contributing as much as he has this season? Oh, I'm I'm shocked. I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was dead. His career was over. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, candidly, I, I'm just looking at his box score real quick right now, and I'm just still puzzled how the bench of George Niang, Tristan Thompson, and obviously Levert's a good bench player, but Sam Merrill, I mean, they won the game. Every <laughs> starter except the Coro was in the in the minus tonight. Um and I mean you just gotta give it to up to Tristan. He played eighteen big minutes. Um Jared Allen actually didn't have that many he wasn't in foul trouble tonight, which was pretty good, but um, you know, he came in and got he even had four um assists and four steals tonight, which I thought was just huge. He um, should have had five. Super active. Had five. Yeah, you should have had five with that uh five with that uh it, it was like a dribble and then a dribble turnaround pass to uh Georges Yang who bricked a bricked a three. Yeah. It's all good. I mean it's you can't make every three that's a great look, but I do agree that um you know, I would have never – You, if you told me that 32-year-old Tristan Thompson would come and have a revitalization uh, at the beginning of the year, I would tell you that you're nuts because I'd rather – I would have thought that Damian Jones would be doing this instead of him, to be honest. Um, or, you know, Mobley and Allen would uh, be playing a lot more and not giving Tristan this opportunity. So, I mean, I'm just – I'm glad that he's playing really well and it's a good story and – who knows? Maybe with some of the recent news, we can see him back into his uh, number thirteen year too. Ooh, yeah. So that was a nice little illusion there. Um, some recent news uh, that um, Ricky Rubio is possibly on the move. Is is that what the story was? I, I forget who reported it. Can you can you just uh, can you just uh, you know yeah. give us the yeah. give us background on that? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we can we can dive back into this a little bit more deep, but there was a pretty big Cavs article that dropped today from Ooh. Jake Fisher. Uh, okay. Um, he was a, the, okay. the Yahoo guy, and he's uh, he's actually super nice. Um, he he and, ex- he and I exchanged uh, some messages in, in, on X and uh, always wanted to share little nuggets of Cavs info, you know, whenever I ask politely. So always appreciative of him, but... You know, had a pretty good article about how the Cavs are um, still not looking to move from Mitchell um, or Jared Allen and how J.B. Biggerstaff might have a little bit of a hot seat, um, which is ironic because I think he actually coached pretty well tonight. Um, he had a good, good, good night. And actually, I think he's coached pretty well since all the guys are down. Um, so... I would say that uh, that's kind of the big news, but um, I think there's just so many good things about this game that I think we should just kind of wrap that up before we move on to the bigger picture here. Oh, absolutely. Well, we got um, Craig Porter Jr. Uh, continuing some strong play. Uh, a pedestrian line, uh, 6.7 rebounds, 6 of 6, but that's, those 7 rebounds were huge. Uh, six, assists six assists against zero turnovers. zero turnovers. So he's taking care of the ball. He also had three blocks. And three blocks. Dude, and that block that he had, oh, man. He should have been vindicated on that one, they, uh, the yeah. interference call. But, uh, yeah, I have to admit. Yeah, go ahead. I have to admit. Me and you, I think we joked about, oh, like, what's the point of being a guard, with a really small guard who can block a lot of shots? Because I think the one stat coming in was that in his profile was like he was like one like in the 90th 90 plus percentile of blocks as a guard and we're like 
what kind of skill set is that going to help? But it's pretty cool to watch him do that. I mean, he's a small guy himself doing that. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely fair. Uh, you know, uh, I think the thing I noticed about him, he has long ass arms. They're incredibly long. Like, uh, that explains to me like the reach that he has. Like, I'm, I'm curious to know what his wingspan is because I think his, he must have like a six, seven wingspan. I want to say something insane like that. Um, um, but, uh, but uh, I just, what do you think about his game uh, over the past few weeks? I've loved everything that he's been doing. I feel like, I feel like, he should. He. I didn't realize that there's a contract consideration with him because he's on a two-way. So I guess. And now it makes more sense why he was getting benched sometimes. But I mean, I mean, Kobe, sign him. What are you doing, man? What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, uh, go on your wingspan point. I don't see an official one, but it looks like some people do think he has. Like a six, seven, six, eight wingspan. So yeah, he's, that he's sounds about long. right. Yeah, that sounds about right. He's pretty long, according to some of these amateur NBA draft sites I pulled it up on. Um, but I, I do, I, I kind of agree. I don't understand what the delay is. Um, I do think one component of the delay is that the Cavs are only seven hundred fifty k below the luxury tax. So I think maybe they're waiting as long as possible to kind of keep a little bit of room there. Um, I do feel like the Cavs will have to eventually make a mini move um, anyway to skirt the tax when they convert someone or bring a veteran on with the last spot, you know, for the the playoff run. Is that why the Rubio thing thing kind of came to light? Because it it would obviously, I would think, involve him, right? Yeah, I think there will be some kind of trade with Rubio or he'll retire. Um um, I think just the contract is too valuable because a team could get off of um, some money next year that's not fully guaranteed and you know save more on the cap. Um, so I think that's what starts that. But I agree, man. I think um, going back to Craig Porter Jr., I mean, he didn't have score a lot, but he just kind of does everything else well. He's kind of that old-school point guard Um in today's game, like he just can score a little, he passes a little, he, you know, always plays in the right spot. And he just seems like a, you know, like an, like an old soul out there, <laughs> the way he <laughs> plays ball. But I really enjoy his game. And it's a good contrast to kind of the flashy um, play from Mitchell and uh, Garland for sure. Yeah. I, I can't agree with you more. I just, I think he's just extremely going through his stats The you know, my thing was comparing him to Okoro. And what's surprising to me about the comparison between the two is Porter Jr. is a better rebounder, better passer, better scorer than Isaac Okoro. And that's what was that's what was uh, frustrating to watch is this is a guy, Craig Porter Jr., who can actually do something with the ball when it's the, when the ball's in his hands. You know, he's not um, a deer in headlights not knowing what to do. He, uh, you know, he attacks the paint. He's got a nice little mid-range jumper. Uh, he's a, a, a extremely crafty passer. You know, he's got the lob thing. He's got the lob game that Darius has working. He has the you know, excellent vision, excellent anticipation, uh, you know, and, and, and he rebounds, you know, he, he's six one and he skies for rebounds all the time. It's crazy. Uh, so, you know, Kobe, I don't know what you got to do, but get it done. Uh, JB, you're on, you, you know, it's on site if you don't play him, my God, you know, like we need to play this guy. Yeah, I think CPJ and Merrill are showing some real signs that they should be playing more in the rotation. The only question is, though, um, I mean, there's just too many guys. I feel like the Cavs still need to somehow make a consolidation trade somehow, um, which we could kind of get into more detail later or maybe as a last segment in a little slop. But um, I do think tonight is just – 
You know, I think coming into the night, I didn't think the Cavs were going to win, if I'm just honest with you. <laughs> they're down their, you know, their three best players. And they're, I mean, the Jazz are surprisingly not good. I thought they were like a sleeper team for a lot of people. Um, but, um, you know, I think that the fact that they um, came in without Mitchell, I thought that that was um, a good win. And especially especially the way they fought in the game too because they were up big then they gave up the lead and the Jazz took the fourth quarter lead of the lead into the fourth and then they kind of came the Cavs came back and you know they really had that run in the fourth fourth quarter quarter. they just it was Merrill exploding wasn't it I mean yeah I mean Merrill exploded I think Struess like hit a couple of uh plays and then um even Nian got in you know he had that LaVert failed kick out to pass to himself um so um you know just a lot of interesting plays but the Cavs found the way and um you know they just got to keep winning they got to create some space and I think the one thing the article that we'll get to for deeper did talk about was that um the you know the Cavs are you know for the four seed looks very attainable even with all this drama even with all these injuries and you know, bad play. Um, I think where are they like a game out, a fourth um, in the East because there it's, was like it's pretty chunk, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the bad teams are really bad. Um, so um, that being said, I think that you know the the challenge would be not to just burn Donovan Mitchell over the next you know month or so, and you know save him so that when Mobley and Garland come back, that they can still be you know, ready to go and hit the ground running again. 100%. I mean, and and, I, and you have to figure Karis LeVert and Craig Porter Jr. are a part of that equation. I think one of the things that stood out um, was the synergy between Merrill and Porter Jr. and Karis. It's just, it's interesting, like, that they play well off of each other. I don't know. Is that is that something you're seeing? Like I, I just feel like there's a rhythm to all of their games. The the ball doesn't stick, you know. Um, it, it's freely moving. It's it's popping all over the court. And I don't know. Like uh, I mean, uh, do you notice a rhythm between uh, you know uh, Merrill and Porter Jr. Merrill and uh, Karis, especially tonight? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think even tonight, Okoro got Merrill in some good spots on, like, the offensive rebound. Got him a wide-open, clean look. Um, Merrill for three. And, look, I think um, tonight everyone knew Merrill was just fire hot. So everyone was trying to give him the ball. Um, I think Craig and him have really good uh, chemistry because naturally they play a lot together, right? They play in the G League together when they're both – when – Summer league um, champions. champions, yeah. And when they and then there were summer league summer teammates, league so, so uh, yeah. With Levert, I'm not so sure, um, but I do think Levert is quietly kind of rounded back into form. He's kind of being that triple threat guy, um, which is exactly what the Cavs need him to do, especially with you know Garland and uh, Mitchell out tonight. Yeah. Well. We need to do our Hiram Boyd segment when we come right. <laughs> the, the Hiram Boyd uh, honorary Colin Sexton segment when we get right back. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. Uh, we tried to get our fearless 
colleague Nate Smith back on here, but um, unfortunately he's having uh, technical difficulty, so we've got to try and roll on without him. Uh, but uh, uh, where we left off was um, game uh, 124-116, 124-116, the Cavs over the Utah Jazz. And where I left off was uh, we, we were talking about our friend Hiram Boyd on Twitter <laughs> and uh, how, this would be a, yeah, yeah, how this would be a big game for him. Uh, he's our fearless Colin Sexton agenda uh, leader on in Cavs Twitter and uh, had to take the L tonight. Um, what did you see from the Jazz tonight? Uh, uh, what struck you about the Jazz? What struck you about Sexton marketing? We had a few former Cavs. Uh, did Agbaji even play? I don't even think don't he played, but, play, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. just your impressions of no, the Utah Jazz and the former Cavs. Yeah, Agbaji did play. He only had one three pointer. Um, I think my main takeaway was the Jazz bench was atrocious. Um, they let <laughs> Niang, they let Tristan Thompson kind of run amok, and I kind of don't get it. They're starting that, uh, I don't even know how to say his name, Fonticchio. Oh, yeah, um, Fontecchio or something? Or Fontecchio, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought that was, I, I don't know, he's kind of come out of nowhere. Um. You know, Sexton, he has been tearing it up. I mean, he's been, since he's been a starter, I think he scored 20 points in six or seven or four or five straight games. But, um, you know, not a very efficient night tonight. Seven for 17, uh, only two assists and three rebounds. Um, So, I mean, we've seen a lot of those games as a Cavalier. (laughs) And usually the Cavs did not win when he played like that, which was what happened to the Jazz tonight. Um, I'm just surprised. Like, I'm just shocked at how bad the Jazz defense was. Like, coming into the game, they knew that there was no Donovan, no Garland. Or they knew there was no Garland or Mobley. And, you know, an hour and a half before tip, they knew Donovan wasn't playing, and they come out and just let let the Cavs shoot fifty one threes. Like, how do you not adjust to that very quickly? And especially after Sam Merrill makes five threes in the first quarter, you know, like you should know to cover the three point line. So it's just amazing how quick the NBA changes. I mean, about a year ago, um, everyone allotted them Will Hardy. Um, hiring as head coach and now I think a lot of people are saying maybe he's not that good of a coach um, it's just amazing how quick the the script can flip and uh, I was I'm actually I, I was a big jazz believer coming into the year because I thought Mark and would take a year you know another step and I thought Kessler would continue to improve and I kind of feel like he's stagnated and I think Mark is still good and getting better but he can't He's not like a, you know an alpha to kind of carry people, uh, carry teams. So um, a little disappointed overall by the Jazz for sure. Yeah, I mean it's funny. Like who? It's funny because like everybody was applauding them, you know, for the trades that they made and. You know, collecting all those picks, got some young talent on good contracts. I mean, where is it? Like, where is it going now? Like, everybody says we got ripped off in the Donovan trade. I don't see it. Like, what are they doing with that? Absolutely nothing. You know, and there's already rumors about Laurie Markkinen being trade bait. Uh, so they don't want to they don't want to pay him his next contract so i'm just wondering where it's so funny like everybody wants to you know uh you know sing the praises of uh danny ainge but what is he doing i don't think he's doing anything i like i don't i don't know what do you you know what do you think of you know kind of the moves that they made and I mean, 
how many pieces like what what pieces do they have that they if they don't want to keep Laurie market and what are they what are they doing what like they're just basically going to tank now i guess like super tank yeah i don't know what they're going to do i mean i think they really like keontae george um i think they'll trade clarkson for sure this year but other than that it's not like they have any real foundational pieces so they're still looking for that foundational piece to start building around. Um, but I agree. I mean, I think it's been a huge letdown this year. Everyone kind of liked the Jazz. Um, I felt like the Jazz and Thunder were kind of the dark horse picks that everyone was going with to build off the moment, the sneaky momentum from last year. But it's utterly disappointing. And I thought everyone also really liked the John Collins trade, but that's kind of turned out to be... Mm, you know, neutral at best. Kind of good tonight. <laughs> yeah, but it's just I don't know. It's just not really working out. Um, well, you know, they, do you do you recall that they made a trade early in the season last year? Like, didn't they, did they make a deadline trade last year um, to offload some guys? Was it a Linux? No, they still have a Linux. Okay. okay. I don't know who I was thinking of then. Because um, the reason why I bring it up is that basically I heard a stat that said like, like other than the beginning of last year, the beginning of last year, basically the, the Jazz have stunk. Like they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. Like they basically, the last year's, last year's uh, uh, good vibes or whatever, the good record or whatever was kind of an illusion in that they who they really are is just a bottom of the barrel NBA team. I don't know if you recall if there was a trade or not that, but someone made mention of a trade that uh, dumped a couple of players that I, I guess were responsible for that hot start uh, last year, uh, and losing them kind of totally killed their momentum. Yeah, I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. Let me dig a little bit more here. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, uh, Colin Sexton, doing Colin Sexton things, including taking the L. Uh, Laurie Markkinen, looking okay. You know, he's always welcome back. Looking okay. You know, he's always welcome And uh, did you find something? No, still kind of scrolling through here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they traded for Pat Beverly. No, hold on. Last year? Yeah. I mean, they traded Bojan. Bojan away. Ah. Wait, did Bojan play for the early in the season? No, he did not. Let's see. Okay. Oh, no, you're right. They were part of the... uh, They traded away with Conley. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. There and, you go. There you go. And NAW, Alexander Walker. Yep, yep. And so, then... So two, so two guards. Two guards. They could do yeah, something. Yeah, and they got uh, Juan, Toscana Anderson, Westbrook, a first, and Damian Jones. And then they, remember, rerouted all that and whatnot, so... <laughs> so trading Mike Conley killed their team. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Trading one of the best guys I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, O.H. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I think it's also funny tonight because Merrill is a Utah guy. I mean, he's like put into Utah State. Right, yeah. yeah. So it was his kind of mini revenge game, and he, he, did, it, he did it proud for Donovan, who couldn't play in it. I love it. I love it. It's so it's so good, man. What a good win! What a good win! Shout out to EG two on the time. Shout out to Evil Genius as well. He graced us with his presence on the uh, live thread, and definitely the good vibes flowed. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so I think we we should move on to some slop here. Uh, we need to revisit um, the Ricky Rubio thing. Uh, also, I, there was something that popped up uh, a while back. I'm not sure if it was ever addressed for the Chumo Kiki 
uh, Cavs being interested in Chuma Okiki, who's been out of the rotation down in Orlando. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, uh, expound further about Rubio, the possibilities, what they should be doing. Um, who do you think, you know, what, what's, um, what, what kind of slop are you uh, drumming up here, Eli? Yeah, I think uh, at this point it doesn't sound like Rubio will ever play again in the NBA. I mean, that's just kind of the vibe I feel like oh, everyone's no. getting. So if that's the case, the Cavs could be kind of creative and getting rid of his contract, helping helping teams either. He's about get, five or six million, right? Yeah, uh, six million, I think, and it, it's slightly descending, I believe. So next year, that six million number is only. I think half guaranteed, so it's close to three million bucks. But a team could obviously um, trade for that amount now, um, and it, you know help. Re- they could trade a player whose contract is longer than next year, and kind of get off future salary obligations by dealing with the Cavs, or do what the Cavs would do and get under the tax. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, especially for future years too, right? So, um, that being said, I'm not sure who targets are i mean i'm assuming the Cavs would probably need another ball handler um if they're giving away one um especially with ty jerome having that mysterious um like two month ankle uh, sprain now and um, well i, I would push back day. on that idea because i mean ty jerome is a point guard so mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if they have yeah. Craig Porter Jr. in the fold. Yeah, I mean, I think the easiest thing is you just trade Rubio and then you bring CPJ as a full-time NBA player. Yep, yep. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, Sam Merrill is on the roster, correct? Correct. Sam Merrill is on an NBA roster. NBA contract, sorry. Gotcha. So, I mean, to me, it's, it would seem like the target is some guy, a, a big wing. Or a small big, something to play the three or four. I don't know. How does that strike you? Yeah, I just don't know if there are any really efficient ones that make six million bucks. Could Rubio's contract be, you know, put together with something bigger? Maybe like a, if you're trading for another wing, I mean, the Cavs are basically playing what? Like three or four of them now. Um, so maybe you bundle Rubio's contract and then a wing that you're okay giving up to try to improve that position. I mean, for me, at this point, it's probably a Coro that you get away from. Maybe a maybe a 3 and D wing who's a little bit more D, uh, you know, intensive to kind of satisfy that. Or do you, you know, go for like a rebounding stretch four uh, with that position number? Um that being said, I just off the top of my head, I can't really think of guys that fit that salary in, individually. I just think it's such a small number. It's not going to be a needle mover either way. Um, but I do think the Cavs will be prudent to try to use that to, uh, you know, either help a team with salary or help themselves with the salary situation at the very least. Gotcha. It, it would seem to me that the, the three – the three pieces I think the Cavs would be willing to trade would be Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, and Georges Yang. Um, the problem with that, I you know, the problem with two of the three of those names is two of the three of them play the position we need the most, which is uh, the four. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, like, what's your take? Do you think those are the three guys? Do you think there's another possibility, Jared Allen? I doubt it because of Mobley, but, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think I, – I just don't think the Cavs are going to make a move involving any of those guys unless it's, like, a clear upgrade to them. That's just my sense. And, ironically, you bring up Jared Allen, which is a, a good segue. Um, that article also talked about how the Pelicans remain very interested in him. But I just don't see a pathway to a deal because, um, obviously, the Pelicans won't give up Ingram, who the Cavs probably covet the most. Uh, they probably don't give up Murphy or Herb Jones. 
who the Cavs would also really like as a big wing who can you know play D and or shoot a little bit. That's hilarious. It is if they really liked him that much, they're coming off of Murphy or uh, Herb Jones. Like it's just totally nonsensical. <laughs> to say that we're really interested in Jared Allen, but we're not giving up two mid uh, wings. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think Jared Allen has played really well lately, so his value has kind of probably come back up a little bit. So, who knows? I mean, it's just slop season, so I feel like it was interesting that it came out that, you know, everyone's talking about how Mitchell... You know, Miami Mitchell doesn't want to stay. Like, that was all coming out. And then this article kind of quells, like, the Cavs aren't really going to do anything. So, obviously, I think the Cavs are putting this out there. And maybe the Cavs are putting out the Jared Allen thing to make it seem like there is interest around them. Because I think long-term, I think the Cavs are realizing they probably um, have Mobley at the five to do that um, moving forward. Right, right, right. Well, and that's a perfect segue. When we come right back, um, let's talk a little bit of Donovan Mitchell slop and, uh, you know, uh, wrap this bad boy up. So uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. This is Chris Francis here with my Korean brother, Eli Kim. Uh, shout out to Nate who couldn't be with us, had audio difficulties, but we're rolling along and we're uh, doing some slop season. So uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, there was much to do. You know, apparently Brian Windhorst is, you know, um, the Hoop Collective and a whole bunch of uh, NBA media, local media, local Cleveland media. They're all beating this drum about, oh, Donovan Mitchell didn't sign his extension. Donovan Mitchell's going to leave. There's all these teams. It's the, it's the Brooklyn Nets. It's the New York Knicks. It's the Miami Heat are all interested in Donovan Mitchell, blah, 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 blah. Um, your reaction to all this uh, hullabaloo, I mean, I, and you kind of intimated with Jake Fisher that there's kind of been pushback, I guess, uh, quietly from the Cavs that they are not going to trade Donovan Mitchell. So, I mean, just what's your sense of what the whole situation is? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Brian Windhorst had a, you know, five to 10 minute YouTube segment to, uh, earlier today. And I think he explained it pretty well. Um, the Cavs are not going to actively look to trade him at this time. Um, Donovan's not going to ask for a trade this time. There's just, you know, enough. There's nothing, no reason to. There's no incentive to. Um, interesting, I think Brian Windhorst did say, look, his realistic value is not higher today and it's not going to drop next year because his realistic value is based on teams who are going to feel confident that he will sign an extension on, right? Right. So. Those three teams are the teams you mentioned, the Knicks, the Nets, and the Miami Heat. And those teams would be the highest bidder now, and they would also be the highest bidder next year because they would be confident that Mitchell would sign an extension with them. Um, that being said, is that value the same value that the Cavs paid? Absolutely not. And I don't think... Uh, um, I think if we have to be adults here, they're not going to get um, near that value. And the Cavs, frankly, can't be seeking a value of like draft picks. You know, they're already going to they're going to be close to the cap um, and not have cap room to sign an equivalent player anyway because of the way Garland's contract, Mobley's future contract, and um, other contracts are coming. They're just not going to be a team that can go sign a $40 million player um, anytime in the offseason. Um, so I do think with the Cavs and the Mitchell situation is that it's not great. I mean, Garland's out, Mobley's out, but the Cavs are going to try to find a way to hang around. And if the Cavs, you know, lose in the first round again, they'll probably you know, in the offseason, ask Mitchell, hey, would you sign an extension with us? He'll probably say no, and the Cavs will have to make the same decision. Do they roll with him for another year? 
do they, you know, where he can opt out and just leave Cleveland free and clear? Do they roll with him until the trade deadline, see what the team looks like, and then, you know, keep going or not? If the team doesn't look great, you just trade him then? Or do you, you know, hopefully, um, you know, positively thinking, do you play well this year, this offseason? And he's like, you know what, I will do an extension um, with Cleveland. Um, I think the one interesting thing that I think um, is overlooked is his age. Uh, I'm not saying he's old by any sense, but um, the cap keeps going up and up. And I believe he's 26, 27. So he's probably not inclined to do a five-year deal at this time because he would be... um, you know, leaving money on the table off on the table um, by not maximizing his value later. So what I mean hold on, by that hold is, on, hold on, I, I, I was under I the impression, impression that, that um, um, the reason why he didn't why he sign an extension this offseason off was that, that he was potentially he leaving something in the order of sixty to eighty million on the table. By that's true. By if he between the di- the difference between this offseason and next offseason was sixty to eighty million dollars, it was something akin to like what uh, Jalen Brown just did. So um, to me, it seems like you know everybody says he didn't sign the extension this offseason. He had no incentive to, and he would have been stupid to from a financial point of view. Um, so. Uh, going uh, so so uh, fast forward to this off season, this coming off season. I mean, if he's, um, I'm guessing that that extension could possibly be what four hundred million dollars, five hundred million, three hundred, like over three hundred million. No, what, I think it'd be like do? it'd definitely be like um, it could only probably be four years, I believe, but it'd be like two forty for four years. Why would it? Why like can't it only be four why years? Because I think he still has a year left. Um, oh, if he gotcha. yes, if he right. waits till it expires, then he could do the five year, gotcha. like three hundred plus million dollar deal. Okay. okay. So he's okay. looking at four years, two hundred forty. Gosh, what, yeah. what was On, the deal that Giannis signed this off season? Giannis's deal. Uh, forget what it was it was a three-year 186 million my god god so it was was somewhere in the order of 60 million a year correct and he also left a little money if he wait he if he did one more year and then did an extension he could have done like a four 260 or something like that extension but i think milwaukee's kind of in the same situation where like hey we just went all in for dame lillard and you know you have only two years left so come on show us something here right keep right. the gravy chain rolling i mean they can mm-hmm. you know sell sell that to somebody to pick up more assets so yeah gotcha so um so do you think so to me it seems like uh Okay, so it wasn't as much money as I thought. See, to me, like I would, I, I would argue that Mitchell is motivated to sign an extension this off season because of the money that's involved. Um, would that be? Uh, is that a fair thing to say, or would he be better served waiting another off season? Is are the are the is the escalation in the price tag that much different between this off season and next off season? Uh, two off seasons from now, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, if he really wanted to make every penny possible, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's best to just wait till you're a free agent, and then you reset to the new cap. Because basically, what happens is, when you sign a five year deal, your increase is capped at seven and a half percent a year. If the cap goes up by more than that during the time of your contract, like 7.5%, then you're potentially missing out on money, right? Okay. And um, in the case of um, 
you know, waiting. So basically if you do an extension, you get to maximize whatever the cap is at that time. But every year the cap goes up, right? So you could be um, leaving on incremental dollars that get compounded by that 7.5% every year. Um, but with the new CBA looming, that's kind of why I think some people might not want to do a five-year extension. I don't think Mitchell will do a four or a four-year extension. He might do a three and then try to capitalize at 30 years old when you could, and then that's kind of his final five-year huge payday after that contract. Um, so that being said, I do think there's also risk though. I mean, if you get hurt, you miss significant time or, you know, the, the interest in you is not as good. Um, you know, players can get scared of that. And that's why you saw Anthony Davis do a five-year extension as soon as he had the opportunity when he was a free agent. Um, Smart you know, move. Yeah. I mean, he's missing games and I think he had an ankle injury tonight. So, um, I just think it's all preference on how you want to, you know, maximize that kind of stuff. And also just candidly, if you're a guy like Mitchell, why don't you just take the guaranteed money and, you know, you can, in today's NBA, you can just ask a trade and they'll have to do it for you anyway. So um, that's just kind of how the league works in today's NBA. Yeah. 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 My, my, I think my sense is, I take I take Mitchell at his word. I mean, he is not. I think he's all about winning. That's all he really cares about. Who gives him the best chance to win? Um, and we're gonna find out this postseason if we get in. That is, uh, we're gonna find out this postseason if we got a winning team or not. Because um, uh, there's no question he's carried the squad so far this season. Like. He's not he's not getting the help that he was getting last year. Although uh, what what really sucks is uh, it looked like Darius Garland was finally rounding into form, um, and now he's so. Do we know how long uh, we? I heard six to eight weeks for Mobley. Do we know how long it's going to be for Garland? Yeah, I think the initial report is four weeks. Oh, that's not too oh, bad. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, so, uh, what what are the what are the percentage chances you give that uh, Mitchell is moved by the trade deadline for this year? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think it's zero. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're 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 going to see gonna how see this how ends then. Yeah, I think we're going to see how it ends. I think we're going to see Donovan Mitchell through the end of this year. Yes. All right, I like that. I like that. Uh, and uh, what are the odds? What do you think the odds are of him signing an extension in the off season? I think right now, I would have to say it's less than fifty percent for me. I just think there's too much smoke about him not wanting to extend here, especially from national media guys. They wouldn't be saying that unless they hear that from the agents or you know the sources near him. So I do think it's an uphill battle for that, but who knows? I mean, if the Cavs can make a run kind of like the Hawks did um, when the Hawks made the Eastern Conference Finals a few years back, I mean, if they make a run like that, and he and Donovan Mitchell is a big part of that, but the rest of the team is also carrying their fair share, I think that that would compel him to sign an extension. Um, if they, you know, make it to the second round and have a six or seven game series with like Boston or, um, you know, another contending team like that, I think that's a compelling argument, maybe a potentially compelling argument, but it kind of really just hinges on the playoffs. If the Cavs lose again in the first round, I would say it's less than, you know, 25% oh, it's not chance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I think, see, to me, the, on the, to to me, it seems like to be to put the positive spin on it. I think Donovan Mitchell recognizes it's a nice situation right here for him to be in. He's got a point guard who can score, but is a great passer. He's got two bigs that has got that have got his back um, on defense, and uh, Mobley is an incredible defensive player. 
Like those are the ingredients he needs to be successful and, and they're young, they're younger than him. So I think he can, I think this is a situation where if he wanted to stay 10 years, like it's perfectly set up for him to do so. It's perfectly to set up, it's perfectly set up for him to contend with a contending team for a very long time. But what's, what's got to happen is that Garland and Mobley have to make that leap this postseason, don't they? I mean, like that's, that's basically what we're waiting to see. Yeah, I agree. I think Mobley and Garland have to step up and really show and really perform. And I think they got to, they got to make it to the second round at the very least, or it's, you know, or I could, who would who could blame Mitchell for leaving um, when you know he made it further, but without all this talent around him? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's a sobering look, but I'm going to stay positive. My Donovan Mitchell MVP agenda is just getting cranked up, and uh, you know I think he's going to carry us. I think it's I think. The schedule softens up so much after the new year. I mean, it's just finally, you know, they should be able to go on an easy run through. They, they should be able to speed run all the way to March, pretty much, from what I can recall. And, uh, and then take stock then. Um, and I agree, top four, uh, easily attainable. Hell, they should do better than that. I mean, really, you know... Uh, do we do we think uh, Orlando's in it for the long haul? I don't know. You know, Knicks without making a move, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I do think there's a solid. I mean, there's obviously that top four, but or top three with Boston, Milwaukee, and uh, uh, Philadelphia. But even Philadelphia, I mean, they're looking to make a move. I guess Tobias Harris is really bad, so. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But yeah, Donovan Mitchell MVP agenda, you heard it here first. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. This is Chris Francis here with Eli Kim, the Korean brothers, coming to you live. Well, semi-live. And it is our 300th episode. And well, I've been calling it two ninety nine point five because Nate couldn't get on. <laughs> but uh, it's the three hundredth episode, and uh, that's an incredible achievement here at CTB, of which I'm a tiny part. Uh, Eli, some reflections, thoughts. Yeah, um, I can't believe it's the three hundredth episode. Um, as someone who was a you know follower of the blog um, and then transitioned to you know becoming a contributor to now kind of mainly just being a guy on the podcast um, it's <laughs> it's incredible to see kind of how this blog and the different outlets have evolved um, of course we really appreciate everyone who reads us um, gives us a listen and all that without you there's really no reason for us to accept to publish stuff into the blank universe. Um, but, um, I'm just really appreciative for this group. Um, you know, the people who have joined the unfortunate ones who've passed away, um, with their demons and, you know, just the great people we've met along the way. Um, and the team we have currently, obviously, uh, there's no better group to, you know, discuss and talk about what we all enjoy, which is Cavs basketball through the great years with LeBron winning the championship in 2016 um, to kind of the dark, dark days of Ramon Sessions and Antoine Jameson <laughs> losing 26 games in a row um, and everything in between. You know, this this blog has been around since 2008, and that's kind of when I found it as well. So, you know, as... You know, we think I think about 300 podcast episodes. It's not consistent. You know, we'd like to be a little bit more consistent on doing it, but we just really appreciate um, everyone who's listened, and obviously the people who've also contributed to kind of keep this ship running and going. So, 
really appreciate it and you know really bummed out nate couldn't join and had technical difficulty ironically we could hear him but he couldn't <laughs> hear us so now he gets to listen to me later uh, whenever he wakes up <laughs> no yeah, absolutely that, that you know as i was listening to you talk that was the first thing that came to my mind is uh you know our fearless leader nate smith um he you know he brought me on uh, he got me more involved. He gave me a platform to do, you know, just to be creative, you know, create media that, uh, uh about things that we're passionate about, uh, obviously about Cavs basketball and, uh, you know, can't thank him enough to keep this uh, ship going. Uh, I, hopefully there's, you know, God, 300 more episodes. That'll take us to like 2038. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, we actually have ramped it up because I have um the podcast where the Cavs won the championship in uh twenty sixteen, which I guess is seven years ago, but that was episode one oh six. Um Oh so wow, wow. We've done hundred and eighty four episodes since then. Good lord. Oh my God, that's, that's, you know, there you go. So we're, we're, we're actually, we're accelerating, we're moving forward and, uh, may we accelerate further, I suppose, uh, in, into the abyss or whatever the future, uh, I guess the abyss was a little dark, but, uh, no, it's, it's incredible. Like, uh, you know, it's the longevity in a world of like, instant gratification and uh you know fly by night you know a ways of being and living and stuff like that it's cool to uh see something that's steadfast and consistent you know as consistent as it can be anyway but uh you know it's cool to see something that's uh you know outside the outside the box of what uh reality kind of is in these days in 2023 so uh yeah man wow <laughs> i'm with that uh you know uh, anything, to anything to pitch um no man just thankful that we're able to get this pod going after a Cavs win yeah, and yeah. just can't believe it's been three hundred episodes here, man. So just really <laughs> thankful for all that. Yeah, what a what a Christmas gift, right? You know, uh, right around you know the Christmas season. Uh, uh, what's what's the Christmas plans, Eli? Yeah, um, Christmas plans are family time, uh, time with the girlfriend, and then uh, the week uh, immediately after. You know, Christmas is Monday, but. Um, heading out to Salt Lake City to go skiing. Whoa! And then spending the new year in the city of current champions. Uh, I'll be in Denver for New Year's and New Year's Eve. So, oh man, it'll be a fun, fun little getaway with a girlfriend. Nice, nice. Look at you, look at you. It's it's beautiful. Uh, ain't love grand. So. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no same here family family time uh parents from south carolina coming up uh got the got the sister and nephews with their significant others coming in for a big old dinner um and uh, i'll be working my ass off at the chinese restaurant in downtown cincinnati in the in the meantime so uh uh yeah so uh merry christmas to everybody right. and happy holidays happy whatever, you, whatever celebrate, you celebrate you know, you know. and uh is it go calves let's go calves <laughs> thank you for listening to calves the blogs podcast check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.